And uh, man, I am so glad to be here. Um, I I love the the um, this this holiday of really focusing on fathers because I just I understand um, number one first and foremost the connection with our heavenly Father. Come on, with Father God, and and what that does, and with those that are fathers that are heroes, uh, you know throughout history, in the Word of God, um, that we can look to and, and see that modeled out. And I, and I, just, I, and I believe we, there is such a spiritual warfare that's going on you know, in, our, in our present culture, and specifically even more so in America. It's unfortunate that America has actually been given and titled um, the fatherless nation in the world today. That's America. And we, uh, recent statistics, you know, I've read multiple different articles, and it's anywhere from 18.5 million to 24 million fatherless in our nation. And that's a real downer, right? And aren't you glad we're not going to stay there? <laughs> but we need to be aware of that because... Sometimes if we're, if, we're not, if we're not willing to, to face the problem, then how are we going to fix it? How are we going to see that life gets better? And Malachi promises that there is a curse that is associated with fatherlessness. And so I, I don't like those statistics about our nation and what's happening here. And, and, and believe me, we're involved in missions, you know, in different places around the world, and we see different kinds of impact in different places breaks my heart, you know, um, and in Haiti, you know, where we're involved there, you know, where you've got out of the 10 million people in Haiti, 1 million are orphans. That's staggering numbers. And, um, you know, and, and believe me, they're, they're more than just a statistic. Those are children. Those are human beings that God loves and cares for. And so for, the, for the, our church, for the Life Church, for us to support the missions work and doing the kinds of things that we do, um, just be confident and know that, that we're reaching into, into areas. And, and uh, you know, it, it, I'd love to see Pastor Mike come again and, and just minister because he, he carries such a, such a heart for, for what God's doing there among the orphans. And... You know, the book of James says that true religion is caring for what? Come on, some of you know the Bible. Caring for widows and orphans. And they, they, they have the orphanages caring for kids, but they hire widows. Come on, that's, a, that, that's, that's meeting it coming and going, right? And for us as a church to be able to be a part and associated with supporting that, come on, we're, we're fulfilling Scripture. So you can be confident, you know, as a member here and as part of this church that, that, that we are intent about fulfilling what the Word says. Amen? And so in fatherhood, um, you know, this morning I was, I was um, just reminiscing and, and thinking and, and, um, and honestly, I, I just, it, it just kind of hit me that... Um, you know, over the, over the last couple of years, used to, uh, there was certain 
people, certain men of God that I may not even associate or be around a lot through, you know, the year. But in key moments, Father's Day being one of them, when I would receive a text from one of those great men of God. And yet, they're no longer with us. And at least not in this earthly realm. They've gone on before us. And, you know, some real heroes of my faith that uh, some mentors, some spiritual fathers. And, and I'm still blessed with some, a few really great men that are in my life. I've always been tremendously blessed by that. But, but just again, the impact of, of just knowing that, that uh, you know, life has different seasons. And we're all moving through it. And I was talking to um, one of the widowers this week. And, and they were just talking about um, this pastor that had been in our lives for, for many years. And, and, um, and he really went, went home before it, it should have been his time. You know, at 67 years old, that's too young, right? And, and he burned the candle at both ends and in the middle. And which, you know my heart, I, I don't believe that that's, that's of God, that God created the Sabbath for a reason. And we believe in the Sabbath rest, that we believe in, in finding a rhythm of life to where you are refreshed, you know, even daily, and that we take time off, you take vacations, you take vacations, Often, okay. <laughs> Have camper, will travel, right? <laughs> and and we we promote that, you know. But but um, but at the same time, she she made a step. She's like it was like John knew that that he was he had a short time and he was pressing so hard. Thought, wow, you know. Sometimes there 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 are those seasons. There are those times when we know that that we're running our race. That's the way Paul, he related that. And, and he related it to a race and that, that uh, there's a prize, you know, that's, that's ahead of us. There's rewards that are there. And, and so, so I hope that, that we'll hear some of that because, you know, I've been blessed by some really, really great men. And I'm, I may touch on some more of that. I've been blessed to... to um, um, you know, have, I, I feel like some, some, like I said, I think a few weeks ago, not perfect, but some really great kids. <laughs> and, uh, and I count that a blessing, you know, that, that, uh, that, that God has done that. And I pray that over all of us. And, um, but uh, it's it's just important with living on mission, and, I'm, and we'll talk about some of this this morning, and and kind of getting ahead of myself here. But but I sometimes you know as a preacher you 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 tell people what you're gonna tell them. <laughs> so I'm kind of setting a little of this up in that way, and uh, so I want to talk to you about Abraham. He is recognized in Scripture as the father of our faith. And Paul made the statement, he said, If you are in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed or offspring, 
and heirs according to the promise. That Abrahamic covenant that God made, and we're able to step into that. Romans talks about it from a natural sense of Abraham being our father. We know that, that, that Jesus fulfills this on this, on this other side of, of restoring us to our heavenly father with, with the covenant that Jesus made. Again, we didn't make an individual covenant with God. Our covenant is based upon what Jesus did. Now, if you don't fully understand that, it's going to be hard for you to really enter into and fully receive everything that God has for you. Because if you view yourself always in an individual covenant with God, see, that you, you, you always have condemnation. You always have this, this other thing working against you. Why? Because we're not perfect. And to fulfill the covenant, it took a perfect, spotless offering that was sacrificed. And that was Jesus. I said, that was Jesus. <laughs> the perfect sacrifice was made. And because of that sacrifice, now are we able to enter into that covenant and have that kind of relationship with our Heavenly Father. That was the, the whole process and work of Christ and what He was doing there to restore us in that kind of place of having, having intimacy, having the ability to come into the throne room into the throne room where there's grace and there's mercy. Into the throne room, in the very presence of God. Acts 17 talks about that, the restoration of the tabernacle of David, not the tabernacle of Moses, moving through all the ritual, ritual forms of worship, but through the tabernacle of David that was in the tent where the presence of God was open, where anybody could come in. And that's what Jesus did. He rent the veil. From the holy place. Amen? Amen? So that the presence of God was released and we're able to enter into that place. Man, that's good stuff. If you don't get anything, get that. Because the Father wants you, desires you. He is passionate about you. <laughs> and with that, as we, as we just embrace that. Well, I want to I look this morning here and... And uh, because Abraham, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll sometimes see it as one-dimensional. And I believe that Abraham's life, beyond the imperfections, beyond the... And, and, and you need to capture this. You know, you get over into the, into the New Testament on this side of the cross. On, this is, this again, this is the way I think God looks and the way God sees so many things is it talks of Abraham that he was such a person of faith that it says he didn't waver. He wasn't weak. Now, I don't know about you, but have you actually read the story? Abraham had some problems. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> when your wife is offering, the, you know, another woman for you to take her to produce an offspring... And yet, that wasn't what was promised. That, that, the seed was supposed to come through Sarah, right? And yet, you got this plan B. <laughs> and that wasn't what was supposed to happen. <laughs> when you look at that, and the way he, he lied about Sarah, you know, being his sister, and which kind of, you know, I mean, 
you know. <laughs> but you, you, you look at, and somehow in the New Testament, it's like he was, he didn't have any of that. I don't know about you, but I'm glad, I thank God for the blood. Huh? That's what the blood of Jesus will do. It'll wipe the slate clean. I don't know about you, but I need some, I need some slate clean. And the blood of Jesus is just powerful enough to do that. And so here's Abraham on this side. And, and so it, it talks about him in this way. But there's, there's a lot of characteristics. If you really study and you look at Abraham, it's powerful, the, the, the kinds of things that, that's there. And I just want to touch on a few things, but I want to read this verse here from James chapter 2. James is a, is a little book that's pretty hard-hitting, and I don't have time to go into all the, all the theology behind that, but, but, uh, but I, I'm praying that you'll grab this and that you'll receive this in grace. James chapter 2, starting in verse 21, says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, his actions, and by works, faith was made perfect or complete. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Accounted to him. And he was called the friend of God. Please see that. And he was called the friend of God. I just, I, I think I want to just stop right there and just settle on that. He was called the friend of God. Because I, I think there's something that all of us can just learn from. I know it's Father's Day, and man, I'm, I'm wanting to, this to be a blessing, but also be a charge to us in, in our fatherhood. But, but all of us, I believe, will learn from these characteristics that's lived out through this, through this wonderful man of God. And here, Abraham was called the friend of God. What was it about Father Abraham? What was it that, that marked him and in, in, in caused some of these things? I believe, number one, he pursued God. He pursued God. He was passionate about pursuing God. He was radical about pursuing God. And, and I believe the reason, and, and please hear me in this, because, you know, with pastors, it's probably even more of a issue that when we say pursue God, we think pursue ministry. Huh? Because I've, I've just seen this complete challenge. I had, a, I had an old, old-time preacher when I was just in my early 20s, just getting going. I'd, I, we were at this missions um, uh, refuge place that was down on the border had a lot of ministry throughout Mexico and and we were down there I had taken the youth down there and gone into Mexico and we were doing some some different missions work and some physical work and some outreach and some different things and and uh, this 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 uh, 
very elderly man, and he just he just looked at me. I mean, he was the kind of guy, I don't know if you ever had somebody like this. It was like they look at you, but you felt like almost like they could look through you. It was a little scary. It was like, this dude is like serious. <laughs> and he told me, he said, he said, you'll either keep it fresh and keep it real, or you'll make this your profession. Or it's just a job. This is what I do. This is my career. And I've seen that. A lot of preachers, they, they just fall into that. And all of a sudden, they equate pursuing ministry as if they're pursuing God. And they're two very different things. And I believe Abraham understood that in his first his first connection was pursuing God. In the beginning, when you see that early on, he made covenant. It was the very, that very act of this, this entering into this relationship where the Abrahamic covenant was established. And when you look at the process and what he was doing, it was about the presence of God, the fire of God that came down and sealed the covenant that went between those halves of those animals that were being sacrificed. Here is Abraham being brought into this relationship. And we first and foremost, we, we, can't, we can't become professionals about our devotion. We can't allow it to be checkboxes. We can't allow it to just be ritual. We can't allow it to just, you know, be part of the process. I was hanging out with an with a individual. He used to be with the Billy Graham ministry, and, and, uh, and he, he was talking. He would see Billy Graham preach just so many times and just go, 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 go. And, was, and he was close enough around him. He was like, okay. Because he, he, he did a lot of the setup, a lot of the operations, handled overseeing ushers and, and security and all this different stuff. And, and, and he just knew how crazy busy his life was. And he was like, he was like man, Brother Billy, how do you have quiet time and devotion time with God? And he began to talk about the priority that had to get placed on it and the strategic ways. For, for, for Billy Graham, he, he, loved, he, he left open Bibles every, at all these different places where he knew he would be at specific times. So in other words, if he was headed to the breakfast table, there's an open Bible that's already there. And it, and it may be, you know, in, in, and he had it in different sections, different portions of the Bible that was open in different places. So if he went to this place, it was open to the prophets. If he went to this place, it was open to the book of Psalms. If he went to this place, it was opened up to the gospels. If he went to, <laughs> and he just, you have to build it into your life. You have to be serious enough. That even, even for that, for a, a, a great man of God of that stature, to take the time to strategically plan and have that arranged in his life so that he didn't slip. And to be able to spend some time in God's Word and allow God to speak to you, to allow Him to talk to you, to allow that to be fresh in you.
It's so vital. And for each one of us, we, we need to understand what, what that looks like. And just, you know, whenever I, I get around individuals like, like Pastor Olin, you know, Griffin, that's still a major part, you know, of my life. And, and um, even though he's in his, eight, in, in his 80s now, and, and, um, and yet you, you just still sense the fire, the passion on the inside of him, the desire to see God, you know, show up and do something great. And, and um, you get around, that, around him enough, what, what you realize is that all of this that's flowing out of him has actually come into him from him spending time in God's presence. And you can't just make that a checkbox. Boy, I keep saying that this morning. It's just, that's so strong. We can't allow this to just be a checkbox. This, listen, I don't know about you, but I need God. If God doesn't show up, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Serious trouble. I need God, right? I'm like the guy you heard me tell this story. The guy that I, I, let, I was early on, just brand new. I was barely saved myself, you know. <laughs> and I led him to Jesus. Actually, I took him to a preacher that led him to Jesus. <laughs> I didn't even know how to do it. And, the, and, the, and this pastor, you know, we, we caught him at the church before he left for lunch. You know, on his way out. And I took my friend there and, bam, he had this conversion experience. I mean, I mean, powerful encounter with God in that moment. You know, and a couple of weeks later, I asked how it's going. He's like, everybody likes the new Jeff. I was like, yeah, because it ain't Jeff who they like. <laughs> it's Jesus now in you because you were a jerk. <laughs> right? Come on. Everybody likes the new Walt. Because <laughs> it's Jesus that made the difference. Come on. Who are they seeing? Whew. Let's let them see Jesus. Amen. Abraham pursued God. This whole relationship. And, you, and when you see the, out of that relationship all these other attributes that just, just begin to flow out of that. You see the obedience. You see the faith. You, you see the commitment that he had. Um, the covenant that he entered into. All of those things. Powerful. The other thing was, I believe that Abraham embraced God's purpose. Abraham did not set the course. I want you to just... That to kind of simmer a little. Why don't you think about that? Abraham did not dictate to God, here's what I'm going to do, and God, would you bless it? Abraham was connected to God's purpose. And from God's purpose, his life 
at that point was guided, was led, was, was dictated, to, was lined up in God's agenda, God's alignment of mission. And I believe that, that Abraham modeled that. I mean, he did some radical stuff. He made some stuff that did not make sense. For him to pack it all up and to leave looking for a city that he didn't know what city to do what he was going to go do, just out of pure obedience to what he sensed that God was telling him and directing him to go do, but he was on an assignment. He was, he was living on mission. He was determined that he would, he would fulfill that. And listen, here's the reality. Sometimes we'll, we'll never know fully what, why God is telling us to do certain things, why we feel led to do certain things until it's on the other side of obedience. See, sometimes we've got... God, if you'll show me, I'll, I'll think about obeying. <laughs> right? And yet, God's asking for us to obey. And then on the other side of that obedience, so many times that's, that's where we're able to experience. This is why God wanted me to do that. This is what God had for me. This is why. And sometimes we have to, I think sometimes we even go out years ahead and look back to only realize why God was leading us to do some of the things that he asked us to do. In San Angelo, we have some tremendous church members that, that have been there for a long time. And, and some of our, our best church family that's there, I remember some that have said, you know, I came to the church. I wasn't all that impressed, but God told me I had to be there. <laughs> and now you couldn't pry them away from it. They found family. They found community. They opened their heart out of out of a place of obedience. You know, I, I, I used to, I, well, I still do, I guess. I make fun of the preacher on TV, you know, to go to the church of your choice this Sunday. No, the Bible says God sets members in the church as it pleases him. Come on, are you listening to what he wants? Amen or oh me. <laughs> Are you where God wants you? Why are you there? Because if God has set you in the church as it pleases him, isn't that ultimately what it should be about? See, I want my life to be like, you know, the Apostle Paul has talked about that his life was like a drink offering poured out, offered to God. I want my life to be able to, to, to be so poured out that it really does honor God. And if we'll live our lives in that kind of way, it's amazing.
amazing the difference that will make in our world. When I think, you know, Joanne was telling me about, I, I don't know, but, but she's, she's uh, connected so strong, you know, to, to the missions team and group through Global Ventures. And she was talking about this, this family that, um, you know, have had to, you know, had tried having kids past years and and uh, finally shifted and just started adopting and they've got they've got like three children under the age of four or four and under three now they were pastoring a church and have just now packed everything that they that they can take I guess and have moved to Thailand to go to work in missions in Thailand with three itty-bitty kids. As, as she was looking at the Facebook and reading it off, they had just spent 31 hours of travel with three little bitty kids. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. Especially your mamas and daddies. You're going, oh, Lord Jesus. Three of them. And then they're, they're so so they they have traveled to another country to start a new life in missions. Whew. You better have a word from God. <laughs> but I'm I'm so impacted and impressed by those who are willing to just give themselves in that way. And the last one, it really. I think culminates this is, is he lived by faith. Abraham is marked out as the father of our faith. He lived by faith. Faith is able to see beyond the natural. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, it gives us some real good definition of, of what what faith is like. Now faith is the substance of things, what hoped for, things not seen. But as you read on down, you read all the different heroes of our, of our faith that are listed there. Some call it the hall of faith of all those who have gone before us. And you start looking at their life of faith and the impact that they made. And what you need to understand is every single one of them are, were just ordinary people that moved by faith and were able to see extraordinary things happen. And faith is able to see in a place of being able to say, okay, God, I'm fully going to trust you. I may not even fully understand this, but I'm going to trust you. And Abraham had put himself at that place of just saying, I'm going to trust you. And, you know, for us as a church, you know, even, even being here in Arlington, it was, it was another one of those steps of faith. Listen, we, we, San Angelo is doing really well. <laughs> it wasn't like, okay, you know, we're not making it here. We need something else to do or someplace else to go. Or No, 
It was part of the feeling and sensing that it was the mission of God and that this was what we're supposed to do. And so to take that act of faith and be able to, to start initially with our, with our school here. Some of you probably haven't, haven't heard me share that, but you know, our schools, you know, we're in five cities and we're, we're 13 years into this. And, and just, again, the missional side of that and how God laid that on me. I had to go through and share some of that this, this week with, with, with some others that are looking at maybe helping us. And, and so I'm sharing that. They're asking questions. And it, it caused me to revisit that God moment when I knew that it was, it was part of my assignment. And to be able to embrace that in faith to say, God, I feel like the most unlikely individual to choose to do this. And yet, this is what God said he wanted me to do. I had a prophet one time, he, he spoke to me, he said, you wasn't God's first choice. Like, okay. Am I supposed to be thrilled with that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But in one sense, I really, I really feel that way. But I guess I was just crazy enough or <laughs> just sold out enough, whatever, to just believe God enough to say, okay, Lord, and we'll do it. You know what? Sometimes you may not be God's first choice. Sometimes you may not understand. Why am I here at the Life Church? You know, what? Where, where am I headed? You know, and transitions happen. And, and Joanne and I, you know, as a primary residence, we've been here for some years. And we're, we're, we're knowing that we're having a lot more time spent back in West Texas with the development of our teams and so much of the growth and what we're doing. And we're talking about planting some more churches. And so with all that, it's, it, we're, we're in a transition. I know that Pastor Kevin, there he is. <laughs> You, you moved on me where you normally are. <laughs> and uh, where, you know, he's in a transition. And he, he really senses that God's, God's going to move him into that other place of, of ministry and, and actually pastoring a, a church again. And so we just bless him in that. Next week, we're going to, you know, talk about that some more. And, and I know do a prayer and sending out the rest of the family all be here. And... You know what? Sometimes you don't have it all figured out, but you obey God. That's what faith is. Faith is saying, okay, I'm taking those next steps, and God, I'm trusting you. And again, sometimes it's on the other side of obedience that we see all of that open up of why we do what we do. When I look at the Life Church here, and what, what we've done in just our step of faith here, this is exciting with what I believe is developing, what is happening here. And for the international side of this, for what God is doing, wow. Man. It's incredible. If you struggle with that place of faith, I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. Number one, spend some time in God's Word. Because 
There's just something that happens when God's word really gets down in your heart. I, I would even encourage you, if it's specific, if, it, if you're struggling in an area, say it's in the area of finance. I would look up scriptures specific to that area and begin to memorize them. Begin to, I, I know that that's old school, but I'm no school. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's good to memorize scripture. And to get that scripture down in your heart so that there's, there's something that's there when you're starting to wage that battle, you know, in your mind. And, and again, let it, be, let it be scriptures that's connected to who God is. Amen? So it's not just about what God can do. Because see, if you don't move from, well, I know God can, to I know God will. Why? Because I'm his child. If you're in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, his offspring, and heirs according to the promise. Come on, do I need to have a stand up and do, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. Come on. <laughs> I mean, remember that old song. Come on. Some of you may just, you may need to get, get in a happy party, you know, get, get beside yourself, start dancing around the house, even if it's some simple song like that. Why? Because you're a child of God, even in Christ, heirs to the promises that were given to Abraham. Come on, he was a blessed man. And you can enter into that. I want us to just take this moment. We're going we're gonna to stand. We're going to close out with this, this final song. And as we sing this last song, I want you to just, man, give it all to God. Why not, why not just start and say, you know what? I want to be like Abraham. I want to pursue the relationship with my heavenly Father that Jesus has paved the way. He paid the price for me to have this and to see him as your father that he's a good good father come on we sing those songs good good father he wants to care for you to be able to align yourself say God I want to live on mission I just I just want to sell out whatever that looks like and I'm willing to trust you I'm willing to offer my life as a life living by faith let's stand up and let's just let the worship team lead us back into this last song. And I want you to just think about this and offer that. Make, a, make, make this a time for you to pray. Yes, they're going to be singing. They're going to be worshiping. If you want to enter in by that, in that way, that's okay. But this may be a very, a very good moment for you to just kind of create that altar in your heart to be able to say, God, I heard you in this. Here I am.